0: Welcome to the podcast of First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We are a welcoming and progressive Unitarian Universalist congregation, deeply committed to love and justice. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.
1: Soul, will you say it with me? There's a river flowing in my soul, yes, and it's telling me that I'm somebody. That's it, that's it. It goes like this
2: There's a river flowing in my soul, then it goes higher. There's a river. Additional percussion, I think. It goes like this. You may have played this part before. Here we go. There's a river flowing in my mind. There's a uh...
3: Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Take a look around for a minute, y'all. Good morning. Take yourselves in. Y'all look good. Good morning, and welcome to First Universalist Church. My name is Reverend Arif Mamdani. I am your associate minister, and I am overjoyed to welcome you this morning. It is a joy to be together here at First Universalist Church, leading worship this morning with Dr. Glenn Thomas Rideout, Franco Holder, Lori Stevens, John Stites, and Jen Stromberg back in the sound and AV booth back there making the magic happen. Sterling and Ivy leading our chalice lighting this morning and all of the folks ushering and greeting, too many to count, but thank you. It is a joy to be together. And last, but far from least, leading worship with us this morning is the Reverend Jen 10, Gen Crow. <laughs> Jen, I'm sorry, I'm gonna be slipping Gen 10 in there everywhere I can this morning. (laughs) Folks, this is a church. First Universalist is a faith community that has placed itself at the crossroads over and over and over again throughout history. Whether it was developing the civic infrastructure in a social safety net as this city was forming, to our much more recent efforts to provide sanctuary, stop line three, or place our bodies on the side of our black siblings and claim the truth that black lives matter. There is a through line of commitment to justice and liberation that runs right back to the evening of October 24, 1859, when a small group gathered to form what would become this church. And with that is also our commitment here in this sanctuary to grapple with the many contradictions that accrue when we try to step out of the status quo and work to bend the great arc of history toward justice. And so we as a church have been compelled age after age to try to make sense of who we are and how it is that any of us has the audacity and the privilege to act on the side of liberation and justice, and how in every age we make some advances, and in every age there remains work to be done. Some of it in ourselves, some of it in the world, and all of it together in community, because who we are at church influences who we are in the world, and who we are in the world is one of the ways that we change it. Another part of the way that we change it is to remember where we are. And so I invite you to take a moment to bring into your hearts the reality of the earth that is below us, One way you know it's there is gravity is pulling on you. And as you feel the pull of the earth, remember that the land that we are on is land that is not ours. It is land that was stolen from our native and indigenous siblings in particular the Dakota and the Lakota people that have called this their home long before anyone thinking about a First Universalist church showed up. And so we remember that, and we remember the responsibility that we have to take responsibility for the harm that was done in the past, whose scars are still present today, the work that we can do to repair it so that it does not get passed on into the future. This is the life of faith that I invite you into this morning, claiming your place, claiming our place in this long line of history that stretches into the past and will carry on, God willing, into a future far beyond the brief flash that is our lives. But do not be alarmed. Do not be alarmed. If you don't fancy yourself one who takes to barricades and picket lines, there are many ways to be involved there are many ways to be involved. And I hope that you will find the ways to connect that are right for you. There are several ways to get connected. One of them is to visit our website. You can sign up for our weekly newsletters. If you haven't already, you can check out all that's going on. Or, you know, since you're here, take a look around you. Find someone who looks like they know what they're doing, and say, hey, you look like you're connected here. What do you do here? How might I join you? I promise you that the answers will be interesting. (laughs) Folks, I want to be sure to let you know about monthly dinners that are starting next week. These will be on Wednesday nights, a gathering for all ages to enjoy a meal together. Oh my goodness. A gathering for all ages. I hope you can join us, little one. All ages to enjoy a meal together, participate in some programming after dinner, and have some space and time for connection and community. The joy of being together, of sharing a meal. These will happen. These will be happening about once a month. More info and a place to sign up. Please sign up so we know how many people are coming and can plan on having enough food. Uh, more info on that is online and uh, flyers about that are at the back of the sanctuary and downstairs. Today is a special day in the life of the congregation for several reasons. One is that it is just a miracle to be alive and here to enjoy this day. Every day is a gift. We can start this time of worship in gratitude. But it is also the first day of religious education classes which is super exciting. And finally, it is the long awaited Gen 10 celebration. This is a celebration of Reverend Jen Crow's 10 years of ministry with the congregation. Please do take photos, <laughs> selfies with Reverend Jed, oh <laughs> and um, post them to social media. Use the hashtag gen 10 Let's enjoy this day. I also want to say a huge thank you to the team that planned this celebration. Can you all wave so the congregation knows who you are? Every opportunity to work with this team has been a delight, and I have learned so much from you all about how to care for and celebrate people. So thank you. So, folks, if you did not get the memo these last couple of weeks, there will be cake and refreshments after the service. Let me say that again. Mm-hmm. Oh, you are welcome
2: to come up. Here.
0: <laughs>
2: Is it okay if I was, if, if, this person not,
3: if, if you want to come up here? You can. It's totally up to you. I'm gonna say a few more words about announcements, and you can decide what you want to do. If you want to come up, (laughs) could I I maybe pick them up?
4: Yeah.
0: I'm just back here thinking this is what shared ministry looks like.
3: There is this beautiful thing that you see in the eyes of small ones. Their presence, their focus, their curiosity. It is, it is one of my favorite spiritual practices and one of the things that I love most about being in multi-generational religious community is that we get to see this and we see an almost echo when we look into the eyes of elders when they're telling us what they've learned. Oh, you are kidding me. Tessa? So, uh, this is Tessa, right? Okay, so. We have to sing to Tessa, don't we? Is there anyone else who's celebrated a birthday this week or this month? We're going to sing to all of you. Yeah, we've got a bunch of you. So, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Excuse me while my heart explodes. <laughs> Dear ones, there's going to be cake. We don't even need to do the rest of worship. We're done. We have connected with the divine. Yes, we have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That is very wise. Yeah. You think, think about how close you want to get to people you don't know yet. We'll keep, we'll keep working. We'll keep developing our relationship. Hopefully we have both of our whole lives. Ooh, careful, love. Um, While you're down in the social hall getting cake, I want to encourage you to check out the absolutely gorgeous um, art installation that's down there. This is uh, Jane Bassick's Looking in Textile exhibit. If if you've been through the social hall, maybe you took a look at it. She uses a variety of materials to create these amazing small art quilts. And she's gonna be here at church with us um, after both services next Sunday. So I encourage you, if you have some time between now and next week, to take a look at her pieces and spend some time with them. They're really, really intricate and really reward um, taking them in from a distance and moving closer. Oh, this is going to be so much fun. (laughs) Their their intricacy really rewards time and patience, and so I encourage you to spend some time with them. Um, And as we settle in for this morning's service, I want to invite you to take three slow and intentional breaths. I invite you to do that at your own speed, and as you do so, If you're able, if you'd like to, I invite you to take in the beautiful artwork that the visual arts team has created for us on the chancel. And to let that experience, the curves of nature and the curves of art, created art, bring you deeper into this moment that we make sacred together through our presence.
4: I'm just happy watching how happy this is making a reef, honestly. Good morning, everyone. My name is Lori Stevens. I'm the ministerial intern. I've only been here one month working with Jen, but I'm already so grateful. And to repay her, I'm going to read this little poem. (laughs) To Be of Use by Marge Piercy. The people I love best jump into work head-first without dallying in the shallows and swim off with sure strokes almost out of sight. They seem to become natives of that element, the black sleek heads of seals bouncing like half-submerged balls. I love people who harness themselves, an ox to a heavy cart, who pull like water buffalo with massive patience who strain in the mud and the muck to move things forward, who do what has to be done again and again. I want to be with people who submerge in the task, who go into the fields to harvest and work in a row and pass the bags along, who are not parlor generals and field deserters, but move in a common rhythm when the food must come in or the fire be put out. The work of the world is common as mud. Botched, it smears the hands, crumbles to dust. But the thing worth doing, well done, has a shape that satisfies, clean and evident. Greek amphoras for wine or oil, Hopi vases that held corn are put in museums, but you know they were made to be used. The pitcher cries for water, to carry, and a person for work that is real.
2: The ocean refuses no river, the ocean refuses no river.
1: Piercy likes friends who submerge in the task. And so this week, I submerged in the task. That was a good idea when we started. (laughs) It was a great idea. We were going to take all of the water communion water that we collected, sanitize it and then place it in individual vials for people to carry with them throughout their year. I decided to make this part, the putting it in vials, my own personal meditation. I submerged in the task. Do you know how many vials several hundred (laughs) vials is? It's so many vials! But along the course of our work together, your, water, and me, I learned some things that I often learn whenever I make a meditation happen. These all start, um, these all start with Ws, and they're pretty easy for me to remember. The first that I heard was a W. It was, whoa. I thought, what a fabulous idea. That many hundreds of vials and everyone could take one home with them? And then I thought, wow. Wow. What a beautiful thing it is to have my hands connected with the water that was connected to your hands how we joined together in community to make that ritual and how I was able to contribute my own part, my own gift to the larger water communion. And I was so excited, I found my centering place. The meditation was going so well until I went, wait, what? (laughs) And I realized that once I had gotten through 100 of these little vials of water that it takes so much time to put water into an empty little vial. I got a little frustrated, as you do when you're in this type of project. And then finally, I worked out the energy to just keep going one at a time. I tried five at a time. That just contributed to the frustration. I saw that when you did just three one, two, and three and you dunked them at the same time the sound of them filling up was very pleasant. I wondered if it was like the sound of us singing, filling up together. And then, at the last vial, I closed the cap with satisfaction and I said, Phew. job well done, job thoroughly done, a lot of job done. And even though I was satisfied, I did once think, well, you know, the next time, I probably shouldn't take on this big a project all by myself. Isn't that what community's about anyway? Maybe submerging in the task is submerging in helping a bunch of us submerge in the task. And then we can all share some of the joy together. So even from my mistakes in the meditation, my whoa, my whew, my wait, what? Even through all of the frustration and all of the time, just breathing and singing in memory of you. The ocean refuses no river. Even when I couldn't stand the song anymore.
2: (laughs) Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
1: And from a meditation, your gift comes back to you. Friends, there are so many of these vials. <laughs> and I'm keeping a basket right in the front here, and then there's a basket in the back outside in the hall. As you leave, everyone consults with every, all of their family to make sure that this is okay, no matter who, how old or young you are. If you would like one, I invite you to take a piece of the water communion with you. It has been boiled and brought back to room temperature. Use this water to remember us in your frustrations, to remember strength and the surrounding of community when you feel alone, to remember that your heart is in the care of our heart and in the work of our hands. We make a difference in the world. So may it be among us. Amen.
0: So let's say our promises together as a community. I invite Ivy and Sterling to light our chalice.
4: Please join me in saying the words for lighting our chalice. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its law. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth
5: in love, and to help.
3: let's move into a time of prayer and meditation. So I invite you to put down whatever it is that you're holding. Holding in your hands, holding in your minds. Let's allow our bodies to sit up a little straighter, to be a little bit more upright, whatever internal posture helps you to breathe a little more easily, a little more fully. Let's enter a brief moment of keeping silence together, knowing that as Dr. Glenn Thomas reminded us last week, Silence is the absence of intentional adult talking, that everything else is just music from the divine. Let us join then in just a moment of shared breath and silence that reminds us that we are one. Congregation, will you pray with me? Holy One, God of our being and our becoming, spark of reason and radiance that animates and endows our lives. We acknowledge thy presence within us and among us, and beyond us this day. Reflections of the infinite mystery, everywhere we care to look. Where do we come from? What are we? Where are we going? How often do our hearts whisper these questions? All the time. And equally often, though sometimes in the distance, to justice, to freedom, to wholeness is the reply. Help us to remember that we exist in holy tension, that we are always in the midst of change, always in the space between the notes, always in a leap of faith, always needing to trust our capes. May we relax in this liminal space. May our flailings for certainty be transformed into sure strokes until we are almost out of sight, as the poetry writes, lighting the way for those who come after us. Gathered here this morning, there is much that we hold as a community. And I invite you to speak aloud now or hold in your hearts all the people and concerns you would lift in worship today that we might surround all in a care and a love that sets them free. And to the prayers of your hearts, I add that we hold in care all those grieving the loss of Reverend Rob Eller-Isaacs, whose life was celebrated yesterday at Unity Church Unitarian across the river. And we hold the Eller-Isaacs family in our love as they journey with Jan Eller-Isaacs, who recently shared news of her own cancer diagnosis. We pray for healing. We pray for ease in this journey. Our hearts are with you. And dear ones, together we pray that the grip of addiction be loosened, that the weight of oppression be lightened, that truth be told, that joy break through, and that love make every suffering bearable for us all. May it be so. Amen. And will you join in singing Spirit of Life?
0: Every time we are together, we are engaging in the spiritual practices of giving and receiving and growing together. One of the ways we experience those practices is by sharing of our financial resources with each other, trusting that when we share what we have, we all have what we need. In just a moment, there'll be an opportunity to give that you'll see up on the screens and baskets will come by. But first, let me tell you where your financial gifts will be headed today. And a reminder, as always, that if this is a time of need for you or your family, please let any of the staff know so we can share the congregation's resources with you. And if this is a time to give for you and your life Today the time is to give to the Cummins Ministerial Internship Fund. This fund was created to honor our minister emeritus, the Reverend John Cummins, and to continue his legacy. John had a way of spotting and supporting and encouraging others into ministry. It was one of his many gifts as he served this congregation. The resources that head into this fund here They are used to support the ministerial internship program here, and in particular, this year we are the only congregation specifically offering a ministerial internship for a person of color entering the ministry. We have tailored this internship experience to help do some reparation some repair to generations of challenge that folks of color entering the ministry have faced and continue to face in our movement your gifts go to support this fund and i want to let you know how john perhaps thought of what we do together he wrote i do not believe in the hereafter nor for that matter do i believe in a heretofore I do believe that each person is a unique, one-time, never-before-and-never-again event, and that each individual has a contribution to make that is and forever will be part of the human story. Each of us in our lifetime climbs the mountain of human experience, and when we reach the heights and see what is to be seen therefrom, we lie down on that mountain of human experience and the small measure of our dust adds its height, whereby our peers and companions and those who come after us may see a small way further than we. That is our immortality. Let us keep on building that mountain, adding our gifts and our lives, our hope and commitment to that future. Your gifts will now be gratefully received.
2: There is more love somewhere There is more love somewhere I'm gonna keep on till I find it There is more love somewhere.
5: Good morning, all. I am the Reverend Sarah Smalley, longtime member here at First Universalist. And joining me on the chancel here is board chair, Darren Woodson, and members of the Gen 10 10th anniversary celebration planning team. As you might imagine, as part of this planning team, it's been both good, fun, and deeply meaningful to gather to intentionally reflect on what Jen's ministry has meant to each of us individually, for this congregation, for our denomination, and for the wider world. For a number of weeks recently, there have been articles in the liberal newsletter describing the many facets of Jen's ministry. I won't recount them all here, but if you haven't had a chance to read them, they're worth looking up to have a sense of the scope and impact of Jen's shared ministry here at First Universalist. But today, today we get to present Jen with this gift on behalf of the congregation. You can look at it, because I'm going to talk for a while, too. (laughs) This stole, this stole, is a visible representation of Jen's shared ministry custom-made by fabric artist Don Carlson Kahn. Let me describe it for you before Darren places it on Jen's shoulders. So, Jen, you can step back so you can can view it fully as I describe the gorgeousness that Don has created. The story of the stole starts. Jen's ministry starts. We all start with the wellspring of love. The eternal love that is our birthright, that is our source. What comes next shimmers with the light of the whole universe. Rising from the wellspring of love are radiant dewdrop jewels. From Jen's book, Take What You Need, quote, on that night full of fresh grief, the sparkling web of connection we had created was holding us close, each person a dew-drop jewel. On this stole, these dew-drop jewels are the manifestation of love in the world. They are each of us here in this room. They are the parts of ourselves that arise when we are connected to Source. These dewdrop jewels keep moving and growing until they meet with one of life's most powerful forces, transformation. On the back of the stole is the phoenix, one with watercolor lines similar to Jen's tattoo. Sewn into the inside of the stole is this quote from Jen's book that she might always have this truth embracing her. A phoenix, a work of art, rising from the ashes of experiences that could have killed me. I am here, beautiful and flowing. I will rise. You are here, beautiful and flowing, teaching us all how to rise. After going through the fires of transformation, the dew jewels get to work blessing the world. Along the left side of the stole are words and phrases that describe Jen's ministry in this congregation. Words Jen embodies. Joy, wholeness, courage, liberation, and phrases that are classic Jen, yes, yes, and we got this. (laughs) These words are anchored by what we think of as Jen's instructions for living a life. What you do day in and day out to make the world a better place. Show up, Choose love, build community. These words then flow into the weaving of community you have helped create here. Ten ribbons, one for each year of ministry, the colors of the dewdrop jewels and the phoenix, all the more vibrant in relationship to each other. This familiar Unitarian First Universalist prayer is so an inside, as the backdrop of community. May the grip of addiction be loosened. May the weight of oppression be lightened. May truth be told, may joy break through, and may love make every suffering bearable for us all. The ends of the 10 ribbons are open and unfinished, leaving room for who we are becoming as a congregation. And there's one more thing on this soul I want to mention, sewn inside close to Jen's heart is this dedication. To the Reverend Jen Crow with love and gratitude as we celebrate the 10th anniversary of your ministry with First Universalist Church of Minneapolis, September 18th, 2022. Jen, on behalf of First Universalist Church of Minneapolis, thank you for your beautiful, flowing ministry. We are grateful for you, and we celebrate your 10 years with us.
0: Thank you. This is beautiful. And the phoenix. It's been a week of crying, so here we are. So I would normally shorten my sermon at this point, but beware, I'm not going to today. I have some things to say. (laughs) So, uh, as always, feel free to move about (laughs) and take good care of yourselves. This is a big moment. It's a moment in our shared history together, right? because our stories are always intertwining, joining together for a time, maybe moving apart, maybe moving back together. But today, it's been 10 years when my story has been intertwined with this congregation's story. This story that stretches way back to 1859 and will stretch, I pray, way into the future, way past whatever time I get to be in ministry with you all. But for a while, our stories intertwine. And we have already been through a lot together. Today, we're celebrating this 10 years of ministry together. 10 years of giving and receiving and growing in the universalist spirit of love and hope. This is what joins us together. We've done a lot together. There's a question that lives in our ministry team. What is the next impossible thing we will do together? This question, a gift from Julica Herman de la Fuente. We are always saying yes as a congregation to the next impossible thing together. Early on in my time here, we sponsored a Habitat for Humanity house together, paid the whole bill and built the house that love built. And we were out there building and are still in relationship with the family that is living in that house. Over the last 10 years, we have created through so many people's work, a religious education program for children, youth and families that has as few barriers to entry as possible. We work together to remove what used to be a fee-based system for joining in to religious education classes, remembering that the growth and learning of us all is the responsibility of us all. We've moved our institutional practices as a church into deeper alignment with our values over the years. We have built a staff team that is connected and where relationship and Purpose are the center of what we do, where we practice being the multiracial, multicultural, intergenerational community of faith this congregation dreams of becoming. Together, we imagined and renovated this building, a space that is not just for ourselves alone, but that encourages the creation of a more inclusive community, making it more welcoming and accessible, making sure we can connect with each other online and in person, making space for beauty and imagination and creativity, gaining some of our energy from the sun with solar panels. We've gone deep in our spiritual lives together through spiritual practice and small groups. We have been living out our faith in the public square when we pushed back against the marriage amendment in 2012, when we adopted the eighth principle claiming the creation of beloved community as central to our faith this past June, when we became a sanctuary congregation, housing people at risk of deportation here within our walls, work we are still doing. When we are out at park board meetings and city council meetings, when you see us outside federal buildings or shutting down light rails and highways and other bastions of consumerism to interrupt business and us- as usual and bring our communal attention back to the fact that black lives matter we are doing the work of our faith together together we have weathered and continue to weather the ups and downs of the covid-19 pandemic the racial justice reckoning that continues to unfold, the realities of global warming, and the devastating human impact on the earth. We have Zoomed and marched. We have brought meals and made phone calls and supported each other and our larger community in moments when it felt like the whole world was coming apart. We have known losses, personal losses, collective losses, And we have welcomed new life in so many ways. Together we have held it all. The beautiful, the brutally awful, the both and of life, the joy and the woe, with our hearts expanding with every turning of the cycle of life. We have been through it together. We are going through it together right now, too. We are in it together now. Many of us are returning to community in person and online after several challenging years of pandemic (laughs) living. Grief is with us. And our community experienced a big bump recently. The shape of that bump took different forms for many of us. When our choir director departed recently, our choir and congregation lost a beloved teacher and leader. When our choir director left, accusing me of secrecy and control and the enforcement of employment policies in a way that is out of alignment with our values as a congregation, some among us doubted and are still doubting whether this is a community where you can put your trust. Maybe some are doubting whether I am a leader where you can place your trust. Some among us have watched as members of our community, acting from places of pain and loss, have said and done things that have caused harm, especially to our leaders and staff of color and to me. Some of us have caused pain. Some of us have experienced pain. Some of us have watched and listened as events have unfolded and not known what to do. And all of us are experiencing the ripple that comes when a pebble like that hits the water. We feel the ripples even if we aren't intimately involved in the change or conflict at hand. Change sends ripples out into the water of our shared life. Conflict does that too. And those ripples are always happening. I've been here for 10 years. In this time, more than 25 staff members have left. That's not actually unusual in a large congregation like ours. But each change sends ripples out through the water and out into our shared community. There are losses. There are disagreements that happen between us and within ourselves, and these are going to keep coming. Those ripples, the change, the conflict, it's part of life. It's really about what we do with it, about how we are together, about how conflict and change can be opportunities for growth and learning, for opportunity and possibility, for naming loss letting ourselves experience it and have it move through us. Compassion, courage, and humility. We say these words almost every Sunday and name them as our spiritual practices. Compassion, courage, and humility. This is the how of how we can be together that allows change and conflict to become opportunity instead of irreparable rupture. We know as a congregation, we know from our experience as a congregation journeying toward racial justice, that shame and blame, guilt and fear are not the wellspring of a reimagined community or of healed hearts. And yet we know that these feelings are close at hand, especially for many of us who have been racialized as white. Guilt and shame, fear, these feelings make us react sometimes in ways that are quite harmful. I am forever grateful for the people of color on our staff and in our leadership and the teachers and theologians that keep reminding me and us that healing and justice do not come from fear and shame. Beloved community cannot be built on these things. Our universalist ancestors taught us long ago that a faith based in fear could not lead to individual or collective salvation. They might not have used the language at the time, but they insisted that we fight our fragility. They put their faith in love and in hope, and they claimed that salvation, by which they meant meaning lives of liberation and joy and freedom from the experience of hell, it wasn't only possible, but it was already granted for each and every one of us, liberation, joy, lives of meaning and purpose, right here. As the years went on, our Unitarian Universalist faith got bolder, claiming that love and hope could not only lead to liberation and joy and justice and belonging, but that it could actually happen here on Earth, in our lifetimes, not in some cosmic afterlife, but now. They started to speak of the Beloved Community, and for years we have been trying to move from that as a concept into something we practice, something we belong to together. We claimed the Beloved Community when we adopted the Eighth Principle back in June. When we promised, as a member congregation of the UUA, To journey toward spiritual wholeness by working to build a diverse, multicultural, beloved community by our actions that accountably dismantle racism and other oppressions in ourselves and our institutions. During almost all of my ten years with you, we've worked toward our visionary goals, especially this one. First Universalist is a multiracial, multicultural, and intergenerational faith community of mutual caring and support, where people bring all of who they are and welcome each other with joy. Our sense of who we are as a community of faith is ever expanding. What you're trying to do here as a congregation is a big deal. What you're trying to do here is to create beloved community here on earth. This is a big project. It's one that I am grateful to join with you in. As one of your ministers, my purpose here is to help you achieve your goals as a congregation, to deepen into your faith, to help offer the tools you will need to do the work you have charted for yourselves, to become beloved community, to move into the practice of being beloved community. I choose to be here with you in service of this vision, very much on purpose. 20 years ago, I started my ministerial internship across the river at Unity Church Unitarian in St. Paul. It was an internship that was specifically created and named after the Reverend Dr. Laurel Hallman, who still serves as my spiritual director today. Laurel was the first woman called to serve a large congregation in Unitarian Universalism. She was called in 1987. At Unity, the Reverends Jan and Rob Eller-Isaacs mentored and trained me in the art and practice of ministry. They were known for their emphasis on spiritual depth, shared ministry, nurturing the next generation of ministers, and their fierce commitment to the creation of beloved community. This term, beloved community, can be traced back to philosopher and theologian Josiah Royce and his writing at the beginnings of the 1900s. He said that beloved community is a spiritual or divine community capable of achieving the highest good as well as the common good. The highest good as well as the common good. Preachers and activists took this concept and made it even more explicit, with Martin Luther King Jr. naming beloved community as community in which everyone is cared for, absent of poverty, hunger, and hate. A community where justice exists not for one oppressed group, but for all people. Robin Jan placed these practices, shared ministry, spiritual depth, nurturing the next generation of ministry, the creation of beloved community at the center of their lives. And they taught me to put these practices at the center of mine. They believed that somehow in this world, the church was the best place, the best shot at creating beloved community and collective transformation. This is where they put their heart and this is where I put my heart too. So you see, together and apart, we have been dreaming a big dream for a long time. Our ancestors have been dreaming it. You have been dreaming it here in this congregation. I have been dreaming it. My mentors have been dreaming it. We have been dreaming about building and belonging to beloved community. This dream is so much older than us this dream of a multicultural, multiracial, intergenerational community of faith, where our sense of who we are is ever expanding. I've been sitting with this phrase a lot over the last few weeks, and it dawned on me, maybe in a duh moment, that this idea of beloved community, this multicultural, multiracial, intergenerational community is perhaps God's dream too. The universe's dream, the Earth's dream. I don't believe in a God or an Earth or a universe that is here for harm. I believe in a space and a place where we are meant to lift each other up, to see and know each other, to hear and welcome each other's unique and important stories and to know our place as part of something larger. We are participating I believe in the dream of the universe, of the earth, for those of us who it rings true of God. This is what we are about. So it is time to turn our attention to how. We have named this dream for years and years. It is time to turn our attention to how. None of us are off the hook. We belong to a community and to a faith that says, not only is there a love that will not let us go, but I will add, as Professor Mark Hicks did, a love that will not let us go, let us down, or let us off the hook. We are all on the hook for practicing belonging to beloved community with courage and humility and compassion in how we are together. No one is special in this sense. We are all on that hook. We are all a part of this beloved community. It's time for us to move into the how together, to cultivate spiritual depth, to share the ministry, to learn the practice of repair and reconciliation, to speak the truth in love, to help each other to build community. This is what it will take, and likely so much more. The work is real. It's going to require jumping in headfirst, massive patience, being there in the muck together. We'll be asked to relinquish the roles the poet named, the roles of parlor general and field deserter, and to move in a common rhythm when the food must be brought in or the fire put out. This is work that stretches through the generations, and through it, we will know the prize of belonging. So let us be about the task of building and belonging to beloved community. A place where there is a love that will not let us go, that will not let us down, that will not let us off the hook. May it be so. Amen.
2: has tried us peace stride us hope inside us will lead the way on the road from on the road greed to giving love will guide Change the world with your love. Love will guide us, love will peace us, trust.
0: Love will guide us. Let's keep showing up, choosing love, building community together. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We are a welcoming community that finds strength in the diversity of identities of all who find inspiration and comfort here. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting our ministry. Text FIRSTUNIV, that's F-I-R-S-T-U-N-I-V, to 73256 to make your gift. If you are able to join us in person for Sunday worship, we'd love to see you in church. To learn more, Visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org.